What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smarkout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, and my panel consists of the usual suspects, Callum Wiggins. Hey. And Robert T. Felice. Hello. So, we are talking NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. This just got done about a little bit less than an hour ago. We are jumping into this with our fresh opinions of... The event in total, top to bottom, start to finish. I'm going to tell you guys if we liked certain things, if we li- disliked certain things. We invite you to do the same thing in the comments section below. So let's just dive into it right now with the pre-show. It was a little bit of a different time that they had done this before. We usually start the pre-show at 7.30. They started it at 6. And that meant that they were going to tack on an extra half an hour to it. And what did they do with that extra half an hour? Nothing. Nothing. This was the only, I'm going to spoil something a little bit, the only thing I didn't like about this card. This pre-show was completely pointless. It's a full hour of nothing but recaps and stuff. At least WWE, when they have their one-hour pre-show, they've put one match on there. And it really confuses me that they've got five matches on this card and an hour-long pre-show. Didn't put a match on there. But they still took the entire time for a recap whole thing. Meanwhile, WWE can have a much bigger card of like eight or nine or ten matches, have a one-hour pre-show, and still manage to fit a match on that card. It's all about pacing and getting used to stuff. This was their first hour pre-show, and I assume if they do it in the future, we'll get one or two throwaway matches, you know? We should, because, man, I don't like the recap thing. You know how my feelings are when it comes to if you've been watching the product, you don't need it. If you don't watch the product, then why are you paying attention to the pre-show? You're not. You're going to just skip right to the main card. So it's kind of just pointless unless you are a big fan of Pat McAfee, which uh, two of us aren't. I am. <laughs> One of us is, two of us aren't. He's ridiculous. How can you, like, he's like, I, I don't even know what to call him. He's just so outlandishly ridiculous that I can't get enough. He looked a lot like Brother Love tonight. <laughs> I got to agree with Peyton's thing in the Mega Maniacs. He, he had the the red face and he had the white uh, the white suit going on, the little red kind of accents to it. Okay, it's not a good at, least he's le- at least he's less annoying than him. But, than Brother uh... Love? Yeah. Well, if he would have been like, you know, oh, this card looks great and I love it, then it would have been like, all right, I like him. <laughs> he's just, he's so, I, I appreciate his enthusiasm, but he's so annoying, especially when it's balanced out with like Sam Roberts, who's so like, I mean, he, he has his own way of being excited about it, but he's comes across so like mellow and like has no real tone to his voice. The people Just of like NXT says, love this match. <laughs> Richard, Richard yeah. Simmons minus the personality. <laughs> uh, Where, but it's just like, it's just one side is just far too much personality. It's starting to annoy me. And then the other guy's just like devoid of any sort of personality. It seems I'm just like, uh, it's too many, it's too much of a juxtaposition. I just can't, you'd think it would balance out. It actually just makes it twice as bad. I just can't sit through and listen to them talk for an hour. It the really one... makes me miss uh, Corey Graves and Renee Young and Tom Phillips doing the NXT stuff. I think it just reiterates to me that even when it comes to NXT, they can't save the pre-shows. 
you know, NXT is the type of thing that everything is a little bit better, kind of. Like, the the women had a chance to perform a lot better before the main roster. The men and the tag teams are always doing great things. And I thought maybe the pre-show would be that kind of thing. Maybe they'd put some extra, like, pizzazz into it. It would be like, man, NXT even knows how to do the pre-show better. No, this must just be a WWE thing. They must just go, we want this to be recaps and nothing else. And you know what? If that's the case, okay. But at the same time, don't be surprised if I don't watch it or nobody else watches it. You know what I mean? Now, going forward, the next time that they do the NXT TakeOver for War Games, I'm already going to write up a thing saying about one of the worst part of the night is the pre-show because it's just is what it is. It's just not worth it. The one thing that they did in this entire thing that was actually something was William Regal said, I've ruled out the Undisputed Era as being the attackers for uh, Aleister Black, but I can't tell you anything else because you have to wait. It was like, okay, well... Would have liked a little bit more than that instead of just seeing the same video package five times, but hey. Yeah, you could have at least like ruled out Cesar Benoni or something. Yeah, something, you know, have like, uh, they did a, an interview with Ricochet and it was basically just like, hey, Ricochet, do you want to win the title tonight? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I won. And then, you know, <laughs> kind of pointless. Uh, if you missed this hour, you didn't miss a thing. But if you missed the rest of the card, God damn, man. Go back and check it out because uh, this was a good NXT event. I know Callum hated every part of it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 No, but you are going to be a little bit less uh, positive about it than we are, correct? Yeah, I'll I'll just take my stool out immediately that it's it's probably my least favorite NXT takeover show of the year, which is like saying it's my least least favorite tub of ice cream that I've eaten or something like that. I mean, it's still a great show, but it just didn't leave me as like pumped and excited as I usually am coming out of these shows. Now, where do you stand on that, Rob? Because I have a problem remembering which takeover events were really what. And it's more so just like, I lump everything together as like Ciampa and Gargano have great matches. Oh, this uh, feud was really well, like that kind of thing. I kind of lose track of like, when did Cassius Ono and Velveteen Dream happen? And was that a good spot on that card? And how does this compare to other takeover events? As I look back really quickly, I might actually agree with Callum in the sense that this may be the least impactful NXT coming out of it. Like, the show is still phenomenal top to bottom, but just coming out of it, I don't feel like I as hyped as I thought I would be from that main event. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. I liked it all. Uh, I liked every single part of this night, and we're going to go match by match and try to break it down a little bit more detail here. But the first thing that happened on the night was the Undisputed Era successfully retaining the NXT Tag Team Championship against Mustache Mountain in what I thought was a really solid opener. Um, I that's, that's an understatement, sir. Well, I don't think that this was the best match of the night. I think that they did a little bit better than I was expecting them to, but I kind of already expected it to be at least good because their matches before were good. Just, I I knew that it, I wouldn't like it the best, and they did a lot of good stuff in this. I mean, uh, the only note that I have written down to myself because I decided to start writing notes and like midway through, I really liked that they teased throwing in the towel again 
And then it was like, no, 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 screw that. We're going to end up like actually powering through this and kind of uh, continuing the fight like that. I like that a lot, but at the end of the day, the Undisputed Era have to retain because they are the team that's going to be the more important one going forward. I just don't know if I'd rank it as high as some of the other matches on the card. If you like tag team wrestling, this match was probably the best match on the show to you. The The Undisputed Era is just the greatest thing going in NXT. They tell really good stories. They actually target body parts, which you don't see in wrestling, period, anymore. Mustache Mountain, especially Tyler Bate, are just great baby faces. Roderick Strong had a fucking flying knee in this match that may have been my just overall move of the night. And, like, I can't say enough good things about this match. Go out and watch it. It was great. Uh, Yeah, just entirely in agreement with that. I, this is my favorite match of the night as well. Uh, tag team wrestling in NXT is just always at such a high level, especially when you compare it to the main roster. It just blows every single, like, any any other match out of the water that they could possibly put on in WWE right now. Um, I I think one negative I'd probably say is I think maybe they were kicking out of too many big moves. It's just a case of, like, maybe you just need to cut it back a little bit, maybe not do the, like, burning hammer knee spot if you're going to kick out of it. It's just it's too big a move to kick out of, or at least tell the story that because they've been working on Tyler Bates' leg the entire time that he didn't get enough leap off the top rope, so that probably made the move less impactful. Just feels like doing a bit too much. Uh, but other than that, uh, Tyler Bate is a complete freak of nature. He's so unbelievably strong. He, I, it still boggles my mind that he's only like 20, 21. And in 10 years' time or so, he's probably going to be one of, if not the best wrestler in the world. Um, the callback to the previous match with the towel being thrown in was like a good way of like progressing the story, just calling back to the old stuff, but then progressing forward to a completely new finish. Uh, and it was a match that once again cemented my idea that Kyle O'Reilly's firm in my mind as like someone who's the one of the best wrestlers going in WWE right now. I've never seen someone so good at transitioning and moving into different kinds of submissions as Kyle O'Reilly does. Like even someone the likes of like Kurt Angle or Chris Benoit, even Kyle O'Reilly, I think is a step above. Uh, the other person I would put above him is Zach Sabre Jr. Oh yeah, Z- Z- Zach and him, I think yeah, probably two people that have like just an amazing aptitude for submission holds and making them look real. Like this match was in constant motion, even when they were putting like rest holds in and or any sort of submissions. You see Riley like or strong like contorting it, pulling like hitting, uh, throwing punches at seven or uh, bait during the match. So they're always doing something. Like whereas the other matches, there was always bits where it, it fell into a bit of a lull. Whereas this match was just all action all the time. And that fucking flying knee from Roger Strong. <laughs> God, like that made my jaw drop. And I I can't say 
enough good things about this match. Real quick, Callum, say Undisputed Era, because Nigel McGuinness can't, and I just want to make sure that you can. Undisputed Era. Okay. I what does Nigel say? Undisputed Area, every single time. Area? Really? Area, every single time. The Undisputed Area. That sounds like it should be something else entirely. Yeah. That sounds like something that people fight over in life, a, a war over. Or something. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like the demilitarized gonna... zone or something. Yeah. <laughs> the Undisputed Area between yeah. North and South Korea or something. <laughs> it, it's just, it's a weird thing that really sticks out in my mind whenever he's calling their matches, but seriously, can't say enough good things about this match. If yeah. you if you low blow uh, Roderick Strong or Kyle O'Reilly, are you hitting them in the undisputed area? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Watch out, Shinsuke. Uh, Mustache Mountain fails to regain the titles, and Undisputed Era are celebrating at the end of this, and War Raiders attack them. Just to kind of reiterate the point that they are the next challengers going forward, as if you didn't see that coming from a mile away. I didn't like this. Like... You're a babyface team. I don't think you need to be sneaking up, especially with your girth and size. You don't need to be sneaking up on Roger Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. Well, are they really babyfaces, or are they just kind of not the main heels? Because they haven't done much that have been like babyface, babyface type stuff. They've really only kind of been anti-heel. I don't know. I thought they were clear-cut babyfaces. They might be. I don't know. I might be losing track of things. But I know, like, Heavy Machinery and Street Profits, they're total baby faces. The Mighty, they're a bunch of jack-offs, so they're the heels. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> was that, like, something surprising? I don't know. I've never liked that tag team. Uh, I don't know. That's just <laughs> But War Raiders, they came in, and the first thing that they did was uh, they had a feud with Heavy Machinery. So that's what's kind of like... I mean, they, they do strike me more as baby faces than heels, but at the same time, it's like, maybe they're more on the tweener side of things, and then there's a little bit of leeway. I don't know. I thought I it was okay. I thought it had the potential to go horribly wrong, because as soon as they made their first attack, they were getting booed, because yeah. the fact that even though Undisputed Era are, like, the most dickish heels you could possibly imagine, they get cheered because they're awesome in the ring. And, but they managed to save it by Heavy Machine just hitting all of their most high-impact moves. And then the crowd managed to get behind them after that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good way to just establish the next challenger right off the gate. Now, the, the question that I got for you guys, it seems like we're getting War Raiders versus Undisputed Era at War Games. What you think? Uh, where, does the, where do the Game Raiders come in? Because if it's War Games, we got the war part. We need those Game Raiders, man. Well, the whole thing is run by the game, so I think he covers that whole base entirely. So uh, he's one, and later on we saw Matt Riddle in the entrance. Riddle's kind of game, kind of a game, right? So Triple H versus uh, Triple H and Matt Riddle versus the War Raiders. That's how you get your War Games. It's a very long uh, way to get a joke out that I just really, really liked, <laughs> and I don't yeah, care that really should, should I don't care be. that nobody laughs at it. I am happy with the War Game joke, and you can send your hate mail to uh, I don't know your mom, but. <laughs> 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 uh, that's the tag team title match and I have to agree with you guys at the very least you guys had said that this was your favorite match of the night I don't think it was my least favorite match of the night I do think it was better than EC3 versus Velveteen Dream that was probably my least favorite 
but that's not to say that it was bad either, because I still thought that it was good. Um, EC3 and Velveteen Dream are two of my favorites, not only in NXT right now, but in the entire company. But they just didn't do as well as I had kind of hoped that they would. Still had a good match. Still had some good spots to it, but eh. where I popped for that finish so hard, and other than that, I was just marveling the entire time at how great the Velveteen Dream is, and the greatness that was his tights, and what they said on them, and I now officially expect to see him Monday or Tuesday. Well, if you didn't catch the tights, the tights that Velveteen Dream had on said, call me up, Vince, which, I mean, part of me kind of goes, hey, what if that's a sign? But the more logical side of me goes, oh, that's him just kind of playing around and stuff like that. Either way, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, this was a, a good match for a couple spots, I think, in particular. The DDT on the ramp, I like that a lot. That was pretty uh, pretty brutal looking. They had the two Death Valley drivers, and one of them was on the apron, so that looked really nice. Or the Dream Valley drivers, as he calls them. And Velveteen Dream hits those two, which are kind of his finishers, but also an elbow drop after that. And that is how he puts EC3 away. I got so happy to see him win a match. And it was a legitimate surprise. Not the only of the night by the way but i just i liked the finish i just didn't think it was something to write home about i just thought it was a showcase for look at how charismatic the velveteen dream is he's great maybe he does need to get that call and you know as much as i hate to admit like between these two if there's a weak link it was ec3 absolutely he was it, bleeding at some point. Did you guys catch where that was from? Was it his nose or was it his eye? It was more across his nose, but that could have been from his eye. I mean, considering the size of his nose, it probably was in that area. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of this match, I completely agree. It's my like least favorite of the night. It was it was kind of an old school approach, but there was a lot of uh, areas of that presented it from being anything better than good. Uh, I I disagree in the assumption that like EC3 was the worst part of the match. I thought they were both equally good and bad. I thought Dreams uh, selling was good, but the stuff where he was trying to do the the Michael stuff, where he was obviously jumping up into the corner and all that other stuff, and like rushing into spots, he's not ready to be on the main roster in terms of an in ring capacity. He's he's not good enough, unfortunately. He's very good. For his level of experience, he's very good, but he's still not good enough. But you know what I'm going to say? We have fucking Ty Dillinger on the main roster. Velveteen Dream has so much charisma. He exudes so much personality that I just don't see why he should be not exposed to a greater audience. Well... That's also the part of the issue is the fact that I heard fans in the crowd chanting during the thing, like, call him up, call him up. It's like, do you not know what happens to people that call, get called up to the main roster? I actually, you know what? I think he'll be all right because of the amount of personality that he has. I think Vince and whoever, whatever show he gets on, 
they will latch on to that character, much like an Elias, and I think he'll be okay. But then there's also the side of me that thinks that, okay, so if Easy Free, oh, not Easy Free, if uh, Velveteen Dream is being called up to the main roster, why did he win this match? It's like, usually if you're about to go up, you do the honours for the guys that are staying back down. So, and I just, I think EC3 is much more, if it if it were between the two of them, EC3 is much more overall prepared. Although I was like a little bit put off by how little reaction he was getting for anything he was doing. And even though he was, he showed a lot more in terms of his in-ring arsenal than I've ever seen him do. Because he doesn't, he's, he's very old school, but he doesn't really put out too many moves. He's more of a brawler. But it was just like move after move, and none of it was having any sort of meaning. Just like, oh, there's a gem suplex, or there's a power bomb. It's like, it doesn't really mean anything. He's just doing moves. That's kind of the issue that I had with the match. It just, it, for, obviously for any other standard, it was like a good match. I'm not going to say it was a bad match, but by takeover standards, it's on the lower end of a match of that I think I've seen at any takeover. Yeah. That's a fair point. I I was disappointed in the regard that I wanted those two to have like the biggest barn burner kind of thing. But I still think that they went out and showed that they're both really high prospects. You know, like I, I think I think it also an issue was the fact that I think the crowd was burned out after the last match. They they didn't get into this match as much yeah, as they. I mean, would you want to follow that fucking tag match? Oh yeah, I, I know that case is. I know WWE usually has a process, even in NXT, where they go from like a match which is going to have all the big spots and get all the crowd invested, and then go into a match which is slightly more toned down. But uh, yeah, I just felt it was a bit too. It's old school, which is good. At least it was different than anything else on the show because it was had more of an old school feel to it, but. I just yeah, just don't think it clicked very well. I did like the fact that it was kind of like the big, tough guy. Even though EC3 is not like some Braun Strowman type, he is you know powerful looking against the more like agile and finesse kind of wrestler that Velveteen Dream is. So I like that. It is kind of an old school sort of thing, kind of like um, I don't know, like Randy Savage versus like uh, Hercules or something like that, like where they can play up some of that a little bit ec3 looked kind of strong even though he lost velveteen dream finally got a win uh again because he i thought that he was kind of in danger of being one of those guys that like the crowd really likes so they kind of think of it as that he could lose because they're still gonna like him like ted dellinger a little bit yeah so i think that the right call was made but i think that Going forward, what they do with these two is really going to be more indicative of whether whether or not they made the right call rather than this. I still liked it, but it fell a little short of my expectations. I'll just say that. Uh, I mentioned before Matt Riddle was seen in the audience. People went nuts. I don't know anything about Matt Riddle, so I'm not kind of like, uh, oh my God, Matt Riddle, this guy that I don't know. But yeah, heard... How did you feel about it? I'm amazingly like very have very little experience of watching Matt Riddle matches. I've seen a few bits and pieces he's done in PWG, but beyond that, I've really limited. Uh, he's he's very good, and he has obviously an MMA background, which works out very well as well. But, um, and, and he's, I, what I've seen in terms of his promos, he's got a, 
unique charisma about him. So I think he'll he'll do well, especially with the NXT crowd. So this is the way I describe Matt Riddle. He's got the talent and ability of a Brock Lesnar and the personality of a Rob Van Dam. And it just works. And he's oh, Tony's gonna hate him next. He hates both those guys. <laughs> yeah, you you just totally unsold me on this guy. That's like saying it has like a. If you're a fan of this kind of meal, you'll love this one because it's got ketchup and whatever. And it's just kind of like the worst things possible for me. I promise you there's no ketchup with Matt Riddle. He's fantastic. Hmm. Plenty of marijuana, though. Hey, a lot of marijuana. <laughs> uh, that good old skunk smell. Ugh. Uh, let's see what we had next. We had Adam Cole against Ricochet for the Ooh. NXT North American Championship in what I feel was probably my favorite match of the night. This That's is just such a good showing for these two guys. And not just for like the spots, but let's talk about, I want to talk about two spots in particular. That drop kick that Ricochet did was fucking sweet. The one where... Uh, Cole jumped up and he jumped and kind of like bounced him backward. Even better than that, though, the super kick when Ricochet is yes. mid moonsault. God damn. Well, I love the fact about that that they tease doing it the first time with the springboard and then they just stall it a little while and then he hits it off the moonsault. It's just like, yep. Absolutely brilliant, uh, like spot work there. Adam Cole is one of those guys that I look at and I go, man, if he had a little bit more height to him or a little bit more mass to him or whatever the case may be that would give him that push that normally is like a problem in WWE. That guy would go even further than where he's going to go, which I still think is going to be really far, but he strikes me as this guy who he just gets it. Like his entrances alone, he managed to sync up everything when it comes to like the, the boom in there and stuff. And he never fails on that. He does his homework. He understands how that works. And Ricochet's the type of guy that he came in with a lot of buzz, and I hadn't seen much of Ricochet. So everybody's going, oh my god, he's so amazing, whatever. Normally, when that happens, I kind of go, oh, I'm not really seeing it. He has performed spectacularly every single match. And he's not just a spot monkey, too. So it's kind of like, these two, again, two huge bright futures for these guys and i'm very happy that ricochet won the title because not only did they kind of need a little bit of baby face infusion in the title scene but adam cole and the undisputed era carrying three of the titles you kind of uh i don't know you kind of repeat yourself a little bit and ricochet holding that belt going forward we can get some extra little different things totally 100 percent thumbs up when it comes to this one so i had mentioned that i saw the undisputed era walking into war games with the majority of the titles but that if they decided to go with ricochet i would not be mad and this this match was damn near perfect for what they were trying to accomplish and adam cole baby as tony said it Needs a little bit more mass on him, and then he'll go even further than what he's already going to go. But he's the perfect prototype for a heel main event star. He's so good. And I wish he was on the main roster. And 
I can gush over him all day, but we got to talk about that fucking Hurricanrana because that Roderick Strong knee was my favorite move of the night. And then fucking Ricochet literally leaps over the ropes and Hurricanrana's Adam Cole from the apron to the floor. And one thing I like about these spots, whether it be that one or Velveteen Dream doing the Dream Valley Driver on the apron, they followed it up immediately with the finish. It wasn't just like some cute, oh, look at that, he kicked out at one. No, they followed it up perfectly with the finish because these moves are stunning and they shouldn't be kicked out of. And so much good stuff here, man. Yeah, it was a fantastic match, definitely. It, it was definitely close to the the first match in terms of just overall quality or making me like get excited about it. Um I really appreciate the um like communication that was going on during the match, like uh Adam Cole talking to Ricochet about like him not being special, Ricochet calling Adam Cole a coward, just playing off the story that they'd built up in the entire time that um Ricochet doesn't deserve any special treatment and that Adam Cole was always hiding behind the undisputed era. I also quite like the fact that I was I feel like the War Raiders attack was a good thing as well because it meant that Undisputed Era probably weren't going to be able to come out to support Adam Cole or at least like interfere or try and help out because they'd been beaten up by the War Raiders. Good uh, point. I didn't think about that. Uh, the super kick is like was incredible, especially because of the tease beforehand. Uh, Ricochet flying about all over the place, clearly not showing any signs of injury, which is a very good thing. Uh, I love the spot where they did the um like. A uh, handspring back elbow and turn that into a backstabber instead. That was oh, really yes. crisply done. Uh, I love the fact that when uh, Ricochet first went for the 630 splash, uh, Adam Cole moved out of the way and then he's just on the apron, just smirking to himself, thinking, Oh, I just outsmarted him so well. And then that goes straight into the Hurricane Rana. So it's like, Oh, you're such a dick and you so deserve that to happen to you. <laughs> like Adam Cole, for someone of his like size and build, you'd expect that. For him to get over in any stretch of like the imagination, he needs to be a high flyer or move at a really rapid pace. But he's just such a classic heel, and it so works because he understands everything. His uh, storytelling, his in-ring psychology is absolutely on point at every single point in time, to the point where like super kicks, which is like every single wrestler seems to do with with him, it's always a little bit more meaningful. I agree. I think. In WWE, and I know it's not going to happen, but if one guy was to get the super kick, it should be Adam Cole. But he, hmm. he doesn't need it as much because, it, like for him, it's just like a one-time big move that he hits during the match and then moves on to the rest of the things that are going on. But it, he he's able to because he was so much more like grounded or just like more of a natural standard heel. It allowed Ricochet's high flying, huge spot moves to be a little bit more way of getting him over with the crowd because Adam Cole's just so over to make sure Ricochet's like the baby face of the situation. Adam Cole has to be a bit more conservative in his approach and it really worked and everyone was happy when Ricochet won. So yeah, great match all around. And I, I love the light show at the end with Ricochet holding the championship. It was such yeah, a good visual. Man, that was great. That didn't really strike me as anything all that different i'm surprised that you guys were like oh man uh, i was just kind of like oh, okay so well, I, just, I like 
what they do with him with the lights in the entrance, and I'm glad they brought it back and I for when he was raising the championship. Yeah, I thought the light shining off the title was just like was just like a really good impact to it. Yeah, it just looks cool, man. Totally didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> I must have been writing up something I don't know at the time. I'll go back and check it out maybe. Uh, but yeah, great segment. Um, then we had Mark Henry and Kevin Owens in the crowd. It was kind of weird seeing those two just like sitting next to each other being all like, hey, cool, thumbs up, claps. But I like them, so yay, I like them. Um, then we got into what I thought was the biggest surprise of the night, Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. And I was thinking that there was a chance that I might not like it because I haven't been loving Shayna Baszler's matches all that much. But not only was I surprised about that, that I ended up liking it quite a bit. Holy shit, we got a new champion. Yeah. this We wrote this off so easily. We're all just like, all right, Kyrie Sane loses the end. Let's move on. The, the entire time when the finish came, I was like, Callum is loving this. Because I was shocked legitimately that Kyrie Sane won. And I thought it was a great match. And I wrote it off as the just, you know, mandated piss break because the rest of the card was so heavy and I was dead wrong. This match was phenomenal and the finish was great. And Kyrie getting emotional at the end made me emotional. The whole thing just worked. There's something about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn and great women's matches. Obviously, you have the Bailey Sasha Banks one that started it all off, and then Ember Moon and Asuka, Bailey and Asuka. They're all great matches, and this match is right up there with them. I love the submission base start where it's like Kyrie Sane was matching Baszler, and that was freaking Baszler out because she's always so dominant in that department. Um, the brutalization of the limbs. I Ooh, mean, twisting that ankle that was fucking nice. Yeah, yeah and the crowd you could you feel the crowd just wincing. And every time she does that, it's like they're feeling every sinew of that pain. And the crowd, she's such a good heel because the crowd actually boo her when she does stuff like that. If it was, I mean, you talk about Undisputed Era being like great heels or like just really dickish about it, but the crowd cheer them. Nobody cheers Shayna Baszler. And she's still putting on good matches. She's still putting on good performances. She's not like she's getting heel heat by doing something wildly inappropriate or something that people would get offended by. She's just brutalizing people in the ring in the right way it's uh Kyrie Sane was like doing well with her getting amped up fighting back with the forearms her spear is amazing because it's like it feels like she's going straight through her opponent because she hits her with so much force I think uh kicking out of the insane elbow was I mean I don't really like finishes getting kicked out too much but I think Baszler was the right person to kick out of it for the first time, just to show how strong she was. Uh, the they had a were... good fake out though with that because it was like she hit the elbow drop on her back, yeah, and then that wasn't like straight to the end, and she kicked out. They did the cross body on the outside, and you bring her back into the ring, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, okay, and then she misses the elbow drop, but she lands it, and for a split second there, I'm going, oh crap, we're gonna have. A new champion. I didn't yeah. see this coming at all. And she kicks out. And I go, oh, okay. Ha ha. I was right. Shayna Baylor is going to retain. And then 
they did that whole thing with the anchor where she couldn't get it on. And I'm like, yep, there you go. That's her two finishers. The elbow drop didn't work. The anchor didn't work. She's going to lock in her submission and that's going to be the end. Then we get that reversal, and I'm just like, wait, 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 what the fuck just happened? <laughs> just kind of like, yeah. I mean, I love, I love the tease with the the fact that she almost passed out to Shayna's submission, and then just grabbed the ropes. It was like everyone expecting that to be the finish, and it carried on. Um, and Shayna's facial expressions when she grabbed the ropes, kind of getting frustrated, like, oh no, maybe I can't beat her. Yeah, everything was great. Uh, I think, I mean. Uh, even though I, overall I thought the match was fantastic, there was the bit with the trying to do the anchor through the ropes I thought was a bit contrived, and I think it actually made it far too difficult to put the move on. They probably should have just done like a Boston Crab or something. I know they wanted to do her move through it, but it just made it seem like a lot weaker than it usually does because she couldn't get a firm grasp on it through the ropes. But like blocking the elbow with her knees up and then going into the mission and then rolling up, it was like so many stuff happening and the shocking finish it was like oh my god I, I was yeah i that was one thing that really like made me bounce up because i wasn't expecting it, it was like oh they actually went with Kyrie, and Kyrie will be a great champion but i thought this was a an excellent like women's match and i wouldn't be surprised if we see Shayna baszler on the main roster soon that's what something i wanted to bring up to you guys because i Looked at the rest of the card that we have got going forward, and, you know, I always try to do my little jump ahead. That's why I was predicting the whole, like, well, do you think the, the War Raiders are going to team up with somebody or whatever, and blah, 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 blah. We've got two events, basically, kind of three, sort of, that we need to factor in here when it comes to NXT. We've got Evolution is the next thing, because we know that the NXT Women's Championship is going to be on the line. And then it's going to be, uh, I'll come back to us, but Survivor Series. And then we've got NXT TakeOver War Games. Uh, actually, War Games comes before that, never mind. Um, but my gut reaction to this was, shit, I thought that Shayna Baszler was going to fight maybe, maybe Asuka at Evolution. And that would be like, Hey, we took Asuka, we gave her something interesting to do, and Shayna Baszler beats even her, and then she drops the title to Candice LeRae at War Games. Clearly not going to be the case right now, unless Shayna Baszler fights Kyrie Sane over the next couple of weeks leading up until Evolution and wins that title back. But my gut reaction would be, it's probably the rematch, right? It's probably at Evolution, Kyrie Sane defends the title against Shayna Baszler. After that, she might just come straight up to the main roster, especially because there have been some rumors. I don't buy into it yet, but there are some rumors that they're going to do the four horsewomen versus the four horsewomen at Survivor Series. The reason why I don't believe in that, just before we even get into like future events and backtracking and stuff, I don't think that'll happen because Survivor Series looks like it would make sense to do the champion versus champion thing again. and. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. I don't know. That's an easy event to book if they do champion versus champion and then they do Raw versus SmackDown. And if they do Raw versus SmackDown, they can't do really the four horse women against the four horse women. It just doesn't work. Then you've got two Raw women and two SmackDown women against four NXT women. Or, well, no, you got three. Wait, three Raw women, 
and two of them are on opposite sides. It's a whole, like, you know. It makes sense if Ronda and Charlotte are the champions, and you can just add this as a special attraction, you know? But then you also cut out all of the other women. If they do Raw versus SmackDown, because they might not. I mean, they've done that kind of weird change up in the past. We had Survivor Series two different times that had tournaments for the world title. So they might not. You know, they play around with it every once in a while. But to me, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for it to be like, all right, say Charlotte or Becky is the champion on SmackDown and Ronda is the champion on Raw and they're captaining captaining two different teams and it's not raw versus smackdown but then at the same time we have a raw and smackdown women's match and it just doesn't you know it doesn't equate to me but i wouldn't be shocked at all if Shayna baszler herself comes up to the main roster and that can play into some other things evolution though i'm thinking Kyrie saint defense against uh Shayna baszler i think i think I think that match could happen, but I also think in the meantime, Baszler could have come up to the main roster. And she has her match with Sane again, like the rematch, but in the meantime, she's already been on the main roster and started like building up her reputation. I'd, I'd preferably have her on SmackDown, just because I think with Rousey on Raw, it would be a bit too much to have both of them on the same show. Uh, but if if not, then Baszler could stay in NXT for a little while until after that match. Uh, I think the long-term vision is that I don't know how long Sane will hold the championship for. I think Bianca Belair is the next yep. champion after Sane. She's so got to be. That's so yeah. hard. Unless yeah. Shayna Baszler wins that title back, it's it has to be Bianca Belair, right? Yeah. And and that could be as soon as War Games because, I mean, it's not that I don't, I don't like too many short title reigns, but after Baszler held the title for a while, it wouldn't be a terrible thing if Sane only held it through to the next takeover or they do it at Philadelphia or whatever. I just think it probably makes more sense that you have Kyrie have the short reign, Bianca wins it at uh, uh, War Games, and then you build towards Candice LeRae at um, New York. Candice LeRae versus Bianca? Yeah. I'm cool with it. I'm all right with all of that. But obviously, it was it was a shock result, but it's a good kind of shock result. Whereas, I'm I'm not coming out of that thinking, oh, that's hurt Baszler, or I, I don't know what they're going to do with saying. That's all ideas that I had out of the table, off the table. It's just it's a it's a good re- result. Saying will be a very good champion, I expect. Baszler has a lot of opportunity, whether she stays in NXT or goes to the main roster. Yeah, and it was a great match. So overall, thumbs up. Very much agree. It's. You know, sometimes they can make some calls that are surprises, and all I can think about is, wow, they did the thing that what doesn't make any sense, and I wonder if they did it for shock value and didn't even bother thinking what's going up in the future or anything like that. But with this one, even though I'm completely shocked about it, and I think that it just kind of flips the script on everything that I had thought was a guarantee going forward, I'm still cool with it because I like Kyrie Sane. And I don't think Shayna Baszler looks bad. And now I'm even more curious because before it was just, all right, who's Shayna Baszler going to beat at Evolution? Now maybe something completely different. So I'm a little bit more interested in that. Uh, But then at that point, 
Ricochet had won the title and Kairi Sane had won the title. So there went the whole idea of me saying we've got an imbalance of baby faces and heels. So I unfortunately went into the last man standing match for the NXT championship going, all right, Tommaso Ciampa is going to win. And that kind of hindered it a little bit to me. I have to admit, I don't think that this was as good in some regard as some of their previous matches, but I still liked it a lot. Just knowing that they weren't going to put three different new titles on baby faces and switch it up entirely. I was kind of just waiting for the inevitable kind of. I'm a little bit disappointed in it, but I can't really complain because I still really like the match. What did you guys think about this? Jump a good way to go. I mostly agree with that statement. I did think that it was Johnny's night because, you know, how how many more times can you tell the story where it's like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. You know, he's had several shots at the NXT title, you know, Eventually, people just start to feel like maybe Johnny can't win the big one. And not in like a, what a compelling story, but in like, okay, this was his fourth opportunity at the NXT title. I'm kind of over it, you know? Certainly a possibility. I I thought the match was very good i wouldn't go so i mean these two are incapable of having bad matches they have great matches all the time it probably wasn't my favorite out of the series of matches they've had but it still had a number of really good callbacks to previous matches a lot of i love the fact that it was mainly just a lot of brawling that's what you would get in an actual heated blood feud like this wouldn't just have like a load of moves happening or chain wrestling it was just all action just punches kicks slams through tables and uh going through the barricades it it was like brutal from start to finish and these two can pull that kind of work off like the presentation was really good with champa in his attire looks fantastic looks like such an evil bastard and gargano wearing the um, like the face, his, his um, his usual like uh, logo face that had been like distorted because he was feeling more aggressive or dishevelled. And I think the finish is like a work of art in the sense that Gargano has the match won because Chump doesn't want to get to his feet because he's handcuffed to the thing. He doesn't want to low um. Uh, Gargano into hitting him again. Like he does the little thing where he's he's about to be carried out and then he stands up quickly just to break the count and then goes back to his knees again. And Gargano sees that he's going to have to finish him. And so Gargano, because of his own hatred towards Champa, charges at him with his knee. And Champa's knocked out, but Gargano flies into the barrack or into the staging next to him and damages his knee. They they got had a great replay of the knee just getting hit, so it just looked so. Oh, that's clearly where he got the injury. And he's down, he's hurt, he can't get back up because he's dislocated his knee. And Champa falls off the apron. And because he's handcuffed, after Gogana handcuffed him on there, it makes him stand up, even though he wouldn't be able to if he um, wasn't handcuffed. Uh, it's just like such a poetic way of doing it in the fact that Gogano is once again the maker of his own downfall. 
in the fact that he didn't have to do as brutal moves as he did do. He didn't have to hit him as hard as he did. And it ended up costing him the title. And it even it didn't it wasn't even like a double like a draw. He actually helped Champa win the match. Mm-hmm. It's got so much more progression going forward. So and I, now that not... they've kind of written him out a little bit with that knee. Yeah. Well, it's, so... it's good. It gives a bit of a break because yeah. if they want to resume this match one more time at New York or something, then you just write uh, Gargano off for a few months. He has to build his way back into earning a title match. And then you have the final chance, his final opportunity at um, New York. And that will hopefully be, be where he wins the championship. But in the meantime, you've got Alistair Black still needs to come back. You've got other people like, I don't know if you want to do Belting Dream, Ricochet, Keith Lee, uh, Matt Riddle. Yeah, EC3. There's loads of people that could fill in, like, hold the Champers during Champers' title reign. So there's there's plenty of uh, opportunity there. But I just think the finish was, even though overall the match just didn't strike or resonate as well with me as um, the other ones, I think I thought the finish was like, absolutely genius. Tony, what would a, you guys? Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna pitch it to you like this. Do you agree with me on this? Johnny Gargano is Peter Parker taken over by the symbiote. That's what you want to see going forward? Yeah, that's what I see now. Like, you know, you think, oh, I've got this edge to me now and it's great, but he can't handle having that edge that ultimately just ends up being his downfall and he needs to get back to just being pure of heart. So at some point we're going to have him screaming in the back. He's just going shocker, shocker. Exactly. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't get that reference, watch the old nineties animated series. Um, where would you guys like to see this going? Uh, like for the finality to it, because if they do in fact do something like, they take a little bit of time off and we get Gargano versus Ciampa at uh, Brooklyn five at that, that point. They've already done an unsanctioned match and a street fight and a last man standing match. How do you have match number four mean something that isn't just another no DQ thing? It's got to be steel cage or I quit. I, I'd go hell in a cell. First ever NXT Hell in a Cell match? Yep. Huh. Well, that'd, be, that'd be a good one. They're, they're not as constrained as the main roster to having to just do it in October. Because that's the only time when feuds get heated enough to have Hell in a Cell matches in WWE. But uh, in NXT, they can be a bit more loose with it. And I think on WrestleMania weekend, they would be able to put it to, to put it into an arena that size. Not for nothing, but I think that's a hell of a counter to whatever Ring of Honor and New Japan come up with for Madison Square Garden that night. That's the same night? Yes. Yeah. So people mm. can only go to either go to that show or they can go to NXT Taker. Same, same time, I think, too, head-to-head. Mm. That's kind of tough. Because you know that there's going to be some people that are just like, I'm going to go to the non, uh, non-WWE one because fuck them, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, guess what? You'll probably miss the match of the year, so suck it. <laughs> but it... it... I, in terms of where seeing this going forward, 
obviously towards Ibra Hell and so or some sort of big match at New York. In the meantime, have Champa face everyone else who's in the top thing, keep retaining the championship through whatever means. And have Gargano actually have to earn the match because even though Gargano could come back around about like towards the end of the year, you could have Champa just say, I'm not gonna face you again, I've already beaten you like for the championship. You have to well, not so much you have to earn your opportunity, but Gargano just has to work his way up and win a few big matches against high-profile names. Well, it would kind of be... I mean, I'm kind of assuming here we get Aleister Black versus Tommaso Ciampa at War Games. And maybe they completely have written off Gargano with this knee thing. Maybe he doesn't compete at War Games at all. Um, Then we got Phoenix next, right? Before the Royal Rumble? Yeah. I think so. And then Brooklyn. So... You'd pretty much only need one more opponent for Ciampa. And I would assume, well, I mean, on top of, uh, because if you do Aleister Black at War Games, it's kind of blah to just do it again at uh, Phoenix. Yeah, and there's a lot of options. If Dream is staying, I think Dream gets it at War Games. And I think you got to do Black if he's coming back to NXT. Well, you don't know know if they're going to say that Ciampa is the one that attacked him. That's right. I they mean, can no. just go with somebody else and just be like, all right, we're going to transition to a feud with those two. They could always True, do that. But yeah, that, that, I mean, that's obviously a possibility, but like, it's the idea that Black is still owed a rematch for the championship, so he's going to have to have it at some point. That's actually, you know what? Depending on what they do with this, and they could start doing this, uh, I think Thursday is the next set of tapings. We could see... We could see something like Alistair Black in a couple of weeks or so, because I'm assuming he's not cleared to go, or else they would have made the triple threat. Probably over the next set of tapings, he's not going to be doing anything necessarily, and then when they start getting into the next set of tapings on top of that, we'll see some real transition for that. But we could see he got attacked by, uh, I don't know, it's not going to be him, but like Fabian Eichner, let's just throw a name out there. And... Eichner interrupts a match between Aleister Black and Tommaso Ciampa on NXT, and that could be how you write off the the title match. Could just be all right. Ciampa has to defend it on NXT, and we'll see what happens. And then Aleister Black gets screwed over. Start a few with them, and then we move to Ciampa versus Keith Lee or EC3 or something like that. And by the time War Games comes along, we've already gotten that out of the way. Could certainly be how they do it. That's yeah, that makes sense. You, you do have a lot of time because it's not till late November. Right. It's we got many, many weeks worth of tapings to go through. Mm-hmm. Even if they do this next set of tapings on Thursday, that's only going to carry them until probably mid September or the end of September. And then we got a whole nother set of uh, things for October and heading into November. We need kind of two to three tapings going forward for this. And, uh, there's plenty of room to play around with stuff here. So we'll see. But Gargano, I could very much see them doing something at Phoenix where it's kind of like Gargano versus like Velveteen Dream or something and the winner gets Ciampa. Or Gargano versus EC3 just to make it to where it's two baby faces and you don't know who's going to win or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's interesting because we don't know what's happening going forward. Same thing with Kyrie Sane. Same thing with who's going to fight Ricochet. Is it going to be like Ricochet versus Lars Sullivan next month or something? I don't know. And not next month. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Point being, 
NXT is awesome. Great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so refreshing to have like outside of the pre-show, every bit of this was entertaining. The twist that they did, I was like, you know what? Cool, I'm on board. Let's see what happens. I leave the pay-per-view feeling excited for the future, very interested in what the next set of tapings is going to be, and like I didn't waste any time by watching this. And it's probably going to be the complete opposite tomorrow night with SummerSlam. <laughs> well, okay, so NXT even gets long-haired guy in the front row to react and be positive. <laughs> so my question is this. How much of what's good about NXT is the fact that the fans cooperate? And how much of the fans cooperating is because NXT is just so good? It's the opposite. They follow NXT and they clap and stuff because they have a reason to. They didn't need to chant Mamma Mia. <laughs> but they did because it brought it out of them. They chanted Fight Forever and This Is Awesome and all these other kind of things like that. If we get a good enough match at SummerSlam that happens during a time frame where it's not followed up with a bunch of BS and stuff, we could get the same thing. But if that match doesn't happen until hour four and we've already sat through a bunch of nonsense, the crowd's going to be livid throughout the whole thing. And if you end the card with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar doing something kind of, uh, you know, that we can crap all over, then by the time... They're having Monday Night Raw on uh, Monday night. People are going to crap all over it. And then they're going to be like, oh, my God, we gave them one match out of the seven-hour show. Why are they crapping on it? It's like NXT. That's the place to be. And I'm not purposely rhyming here. I'm not doing a Dr. Seuss thing. EC3. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, thumbs up for my end as far as this goes. Uh, I think that you guys are kind of in the same boat, too. Thumbs so thumbs up, up, even yeah, though you guys up, are kind of... Uh, not like, quite as much as some of the other ones. Callum said it best. It's like saying, well, it wasn't my favorite tub of ice cream that I've eaten, but it's still a delicious tub of ice cream. It, when when a company like NXT sets the bar so consistently high, occasionally they're just going to they're just going to reach the bar. They're not going to go above it. They are um, the bar. <laughs> but it's um it was like looking back on it now, I can see it's just like it's a, a show that was very, very consistently good. It didn't leave me with the same sort of big reaction, maybe because it just didn't have that one huge moment that I'd come to expect from lots of other shows. But in terms of like the storytelling and the matches, the match quality and the layout of the show, it's, it's all consistently great. So one more question for you guys. Let's pivot a little bit into snack talk here. What is the best ice cream? Moose tracks, which is vanilla and some Reese's peanut butter cups and some chocolate chunks. That is very similar to mine because you give me vanilla soft serve with Butterfinger and Reese's peanut butter cups. That's the shit. Callum, what is your best tub of ice cream that uh, would compare higher than Takeover? Uh, <laughs> I guess I can't. I, I guess in terms of like a flavor based one, I'd go with like obviously an ice cream with a sharp lemon flavor. I was be... thinking that you were going to say butter pecan. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> now we... sharp lemon flavor, huh? Yeah, I like I like lemon flavored ice cream. I'd either go that or some like some sort of lemon and strawberry mix. As long as you keep any sort of chocolate or that sort of stuff out of it, then I'm kind of happy. Really, <laughs> can't do chocolate ice cream anymore. 
had a medicine when I was a kid and they told me to crunch it up in something soft. I ate it with uh, chocolate ice cream and it's been like uh, 25 years or something like that. And I still taste that medicine every time I eat chocolate ice cream. So oh, that is the thumbs down version <laughs> of that. You know? That's the summer slam. But, <laughs> yeah, that's the summer slam. It's medicine flavored chocolate ice cream. <laughs> But, of course, we don't know. Maybe SummerSlam's going to be great. We'll find out tomorrow night because the post-show is going to be happening after that. Same as what this happened. And, of course, we invite you guys all to check that out. If you want to be aware of when that gets posted, make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel and ring the little bell for notifications. And also check out the Facebook and Twitter accounts. Just follow us at SmartOutMoment. Uh, if you are paying attention to SmartOutMoment.com, you'll see this kind of stuff, too, because I post everything at the same time. It's just kind of automated and sorts itself out sort of kind of along the mix there. Uh, I mentioned before, leave your comments below and tell us what you think about this takeover event and uh, anything else that you want to voice your opinion about. That's where you can do that. If you are on iTunes and Stitcher, then you can leave your comments on the page that is the live coverage for SmartCount Moment, uh, or you can just leave it on the page for the post itself for the video, whatever the case may be, you know, I'll, I'll get your opinions out there somehow. Um, Let's see. Oh, just in case you are listening to this and not anything else, the mailbag is next week, so you should be aware of that. If you want to send any mailbag questions in other than the ones that have already been sent in, then do that ASAP so we can try to figure out what's happening and when we're going to record, either Wednesday or Thursday. I haven't quite figured that out yet. And uh, if you want to show your support for Smart Out Moment and you want to try to make sure that we keep the lights on here and stuff and you got a little bit of spare change to want to throw our way, there's two ways that you can do that in particular. The Patreon, where in, I think that's like the fourth tier down or something on the list, you can actually request a special feature that you'd like to see, some kind of a main event with a topic that you like in particular that we haven't done or you want us to do a second time or something like that. And the T Public and the Redbubble merch shops, where you can pick up some t-shirts and some, I don't know, coffee mugs and some different things like that with different designs on them. Uh, I think that's pretty much it as far as I got a plug, so let's pass this over. Rob? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at DudeFelice. You can check out WrestleZone.com for your daily wrestling news. I will be doing the WrestleZone daily live chat on Monday at around 6 p.m. Eastern, talking SummerSlam there. And check out Time Killer Apparel, which is my clothing brand, and all of that would greatly help support me. And if you support me, you're supporting Smart Out Moment. So that's always a great thing. Callum? I'll just keep it short and sweet for this edition. You can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. So now that I got the talking stick again, I'm going to remind everybody about fanboysanonymous.com. If you want to check out any movie review type material or superhero stuff or geek culture kind of stuff that I've got going on, that's where you'll find it. So follow the YouTube channel and all the other kind of stuff like that. And just stay tuned. And we will talk to you when we talk to you, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and we're being counted out. 